Welcome to K-Explore's Emerging Research. We're focusing on research that's happening right now. It's science so fresh, you haven't even heard about it yet. I'm Stacey Cochran. And I'm Kim Winslow from the Knowledge Exchange. Controlling pests and pathogens in a more natural way is nothing new. Biopesticides have been around for years. They're made from plants, animals, and bacteria to control agricultural pests and pathogens, like soybean nematodes and Phytophthora root rot. Considering the interest in reducing chemical controls, it's a wonder farmers aren't using biopesticides more widely. A new study aims to figure out why. Today, we're talking with Dr. Gil Signorini, an assistant professor in the Department of Horticulture and Crop Sciences in the College of Food, Agricultural, and Environmental Sciences. Gil joined the university to conduct research in production management and the marketing of special crops. He looks at ag food value chain management, or how companies can add value to their products through manufacturing, processing, marketing, or even logistics, like how that product gets into the hands of consumers. But it's his emerging research that we really want to learn more about today. Welcome, Gil. Thanks for joining us on our new series. Hi, Stacy. Hi, Kim. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Gil, we'd like to ask a quick get-to-know-you question at the beginning of our podcast. So my question today is, what was your least favorite food as a kid, and do you like it now? Oh, my God. That's a very interesting icebreak question, <laughs> Stacey. Thank that's you. That's a good one. Uh, I would say that when I was a kid, uh, my family was always trying to push me to uh, eat more vegetables and legumes, as, as, as any good parents True. would. Yes. Uh, I think okra is something that I did not enjoy back in the days. And I, I now realize how healthy it can be. And I eat it quite easily today. What? But back in the days, I think okra was something that I was uh, uh, not pleased to eat. <laughs> right. <So. laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Do you like fried okra or just plain old okra? Oh, fried usually, yes. Mm. Everything's better fried. <laughs> <laughs> Valid. <laughs> Wonderful. So, Gil, you have an exciting project that you're working on right now to evaluate what's happening in the supply chain to explain why biopesticides aren't flying off the shelves. So to really set the stage, I was really hoping you could talk for a minute about value chain management studies in general. We, we have to think uh, value chain management as a field of study, as a discipline. Value chain focuses on interorganizational relationships. So how companies conduct transactions, how they coordinate with each other, how they coordinate operations, uh, which information they uh, choose to share to strengthen the relationship and create competitive advantage over firms that are not part of their chain, uh, which information they choose not to share. So in the value chain arena, we are interested in the flow of information and flow of goods. So in management, the goal is to enhance efficiency in the transference of goods and transmission of information. So putting everything together in an egg food value chain management, uh, we are interested in studying interorganizational relationships, uh, looking at processes and interfaces between companies, while trying to enhance efficiency in the transference of goods and transmission of strategic information. Okay, so you're looking at those relationships between those companies and how they're talking to each other, what's, what's happening in that value chain. Um, 
And so getting back to your new project specifically, you're looking at what's happening in the biopesticide value chain. I think my first question for, for you would be, why would somebody choose biopesticides over traditional pesticides? Let me open a, a quick parenthesis first, Stacey. I wouldn't call the biopesticides value chain. Biopesticides and biocontrol agents are egg inputs, just as fertilizers are, chemicals are, uh, farm soil amendments are. So there are egg inputs. And they are certainly related to the egg food value chain because farmers make use of those inputs uh, as they engage in production of food, right? So coming back to your question, uh, what, what's happening in the project and what strikes in its uh, curiosity, research curiosity to us is if we think on the both ends of this egg food value chain, in one side, we have society demanding more and more uh, environmentally friendly products or products with sustainability attributes, traceability attributes. And in the opposite end of the value chain, you have multiple firms, uh, a wide array of firms offering a high quality biological products based on microorganisms, macroorganisms, and they include biopesticides, they include biological control agents. You also have uh, nitrogen fixing bacteria uh, that helps plants fix nitrogen from the atmosphere instead of having to provide uh, nitrogen fertilizer to the plants. And you also have uh, another uh, group of other types of beneficial bacteria, beneficial uh, microorganisms. What strikes me in the, the in, in this context is that you have demand on one side, you have firms trying to offer uh, products that relate to societal demand, but in between you don't see adoption. That little adoption might be related to multiple reasons. They might be technical, they might be attitudinal, they might be behavioral, they might be knowledge uh, related. Uh, and this is what this research is about. We are trying to explore why we have little adoption of biopesticides and biocontrol agents, uh, even though we have demand and we also have firms offering interesting and good products. And so if I'm hearing you right, what we're really trying to understand is some of these products have been around for quite some time. And obviously there is a, a demand for other bio-related or green-related technologies and uh, foods and processes. And so it would make sense that there would be a demand for this type of a product. So why aren't we seeing it? Is, is that what you're getting at? That is, that's, what, that's where we are going, uh, Kim. That's precisely where we are going. Let me, go, let me give you a few uh, figures just to illustrate what we are talking about here. So consider that the uh, egg chemicals market today is closely to $245 billion industry. Crazy. Okay? And the biopesticides and biological control agents is somewhere between $3 and $4.5 billion. Uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a small fraction of the entire egg chemical market. Sure. So it, it is interesting to see we have these companies out there offering products. We have demand from society, but we see little uh, engagement or little adoption. 
And that's where we are going. We want to explore that and understand how professional egg producers as customers, right? So we are not talking to consumers. We are talking to professional egg producers. Uh, and we want to understand how that population of customers, uh, the professional egg producers, choose critical egg inputs and what behavioral, attitudinal, social demographic and farming characteristics are more or less associated with purchase and use of biopesticides and biocontrol agents. So that's what the research is trying to accomplish. So when we were talking about it before, you were telling us that you're using a survey to figure out what's going on. And who is it that you're hoping to survey? You were mentioning uh, a little bit of the agricultural producer side of things. Is that the only group you're hoping to survey? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. The survey is relatively flexible. Uh, the main population we want to collect and engage and, and collect information from is uh, professional egg producers. They might be specialty crops oriented. They might be grain crops oriented. But we are also we are also interested in understanding how influencers think about biopesticides and biocontrol agents. So extension educators consultants, crop advisors, they might also engage in the survey. The survey is flexible enough and it's uh, the survey is truncated. So depending on the characteristics of the respondent, uh, it will lead uh, the, the, the subject to different sections of the survey. So yes, the main population is professional egg producers, but we, are, we can also capture uh, perspectives from consultants, crop advisors, and extension agents. Sorry, so I want to ask a logistical question then. How do you capture uh, behaviors, um, knowledge, or lack of knowledge in a survey? Well, there are, there are techniques for that, Stacey. It, it, it requires some specific ways to write the questions and uh, segment the, section in, uh, the, the survey in different sections. So the respondent know what's going on and what type of topics we are trying to address. So in certain sections, we are trying to capture attitudinal behavior. In certain sections, we are trying to capture uh, farming characteristics or social demographic characteristics. In other sections of the survey, we are trying to estimate or to capture their uh, engagement or use of biopesticides and biocontrol agents. How much have they used in the past? How much do they use now? If they intend to uh, buy next year, and what are the reasons for buying or for not buying? So it, it requires uh, a specific service structure for that matter. So you had mentioned in another conversation, Gil, that consumer demand can drive what is produced, but that it may take quite a little while. So when I think of this, I think about the rise in organic products and how much more affordable and available they are now because they come from a variety of sources. When you think about how they've become available in you know, probably about the last five years, is that going to be the same for agricultural inputs, do you think? Uh, that's a very – it's a solid comparison, Kim. Uh, yes, you can you – can, draw that parallel between organic products and biopesticides, biocontrol agents. We just have to keep in mind that uh, we are talking about egg inputs here. And there is an interesting piece in the literature that talks about 
the degree of involvement with a product category. So consider that degree of involvement is a continuum. In one side uh, of this continuum, you have low uh, involvement and engagement from the customer. In the other end of the spectrum, you have high level of involvement. Uh, in the high level of involvement, you will see customers demanding more information, requiring more engagement with sellers, uh, and trying to obtain as much guidance before making a decision. That's certainly where biopesticides and biocontrol agents are. So it's quite different from a regular food item or a, cons uh, a consumable good that we can buy in a grocery store. Uh, so we have to keep that in mind. But in, in any case, yes, it does require time for the value chain to adapt uh, and make sure that all the information is in place, the production systems have been adapted, and the decision maker has access to key information to make a proper change in their uh, egg input choice. So yeah, it's, it's a fair comparison. It takes time for the value chain to adapt and for the appropriate information to mature and inform, properly inform whoever is gonna buy that uh, product, in our case, professional egg producers. Sure, because in that conversation, we had talked a little bit about uh, how biopesticides, you'd mentioned earlier, and there are so many different reasons why there may not be biopesticides being purchased. And one of them we had even talked about just as a hypothetical is that there are certain suppliers that may not carry this biopesticide. Uh, and so it brings me to the question, what kind of role do suppliers play in this scenario? You were kind of getting at that in your last answer. And what about the availability of online stores as a source to purchase inputs? You know, does it make it harder for consumers to understand the product and how it's applied when it's produced in an online store? You know, all these kinds of questions are coming up for me. So any of those you want to take on, um, wherever you want to start is great for me. No, that's great. That's great. Uh, I think egg, egg suppliers in general, Kim, uh, they play a pivotal role in helping the producer decide which input and what what products to use and spray in their crops. As, as, just as much as ag extensionists uh, and crop advisors do, right? So they are influencers, they are important uh, channels of information for the decision maker, for the ag producer. So it is, it is crucial, they play a pivotal role there. In fact, I believe that egg suppliers and developers of products, they might profit quite well from this research, given that we will uh, stress and identify specific factor deterring or promoting the adoption of biopesticides and biocontrol agents, where we will understand the underlying characteristics of professional egg producers uh, who are more likely to purchase and use this type of uh, alternative egg inputs, if you will, alternative saying when we compare it to conventional egg chemicals, of course. So they play a pivotal role. They, they are they are crucial in that uh, in, in that context. And what what needs to be stressed is that we might have multiple uh, reasons uh, deterring or promoting 
uh, use of biopesticides. And when you talk to uh, agronomists or horticultural specialists, uh, well, the first answer is technical reasons. They say, well, it doesn't fit the operational setting, the operational uh, system that growers use. When you talk to behavioral economists like myself, uh, you see them saying, well, probably there are some attitudinal behavioral reason promoting or deterring market development. So in this survey, in this project, we are trying to accomplish and putting everything together, technical aspects, knowledge aspects, attitudinal aspects, uh, and make this a more multidisciplinary approach to the, to, to the matter. So one thing that I was thinking of when you were talking about um, all of the different people involved in uh, giving information to the ag producers, you've got the extension, you've got the um, input supplier, you've got crop advisors. Um, what happens if the the consumer or the producer is getting three different messages? Is that something that you will find out in the survey if they're hearing the same information from those three groups about biopesticides? It, that happens to us as well in the marketplace, Stacey. Right. If we receive diffuse information and not a well-structured communication uh, program, well, we are more reluctant to choose or use that input or that or consume that good. Right. Well, when we are talking about egg input, it's even more complicated because of the degree of involvement uh, I mentioned before. The degree of involvement that producers have with egg inputs is high. Well, their production and their future profit uh, is at stake if they make a, a wrong decision. Exactly. It's definitely more costly than saying getting three different messages about a yogurt. That's a 69 cent can, you know, like thing of yogurt. But when you have an ag input, that's a lot of money that you're spending and you want to make sure you're not wasting your money. Um, and, and, sure. and damaging your production system. Right. Right. Your operations. So, yes, that's correct. So what is the reach uh, for this survey? Is this uh, Ohio, Midwest, national? We will uh, focus primarily in the Midwest, Daisy. But as I mentioned, the, the survey is flexible enough. It can be impl uh, implemented uh, nationwide. We do have collaborations with certain associ growers associations and partnership with firms in the private sector that will help us distribute the, the survey in different parts of the country. But our main focus is in the Midwest region. Okay. Are you thinking that um, you would scale up the survey if you found something interesting that you thought you want to see on a national scale? Oh, certainly, Stacy. I think uh, we will scale that up if we learn different facts from different parts of the country. You have to keep in mind that this project is a SEEDS project supported by the College of Food, Agriculture, and Environmental Sciences at Ohio State University. So as a SEEDS project, we do intend to have uh, uh, multiplier effects later on with different types of projects looking at different uh, egg technology or egg practices. For this study here, we are examining the case of biopesticides and biocontrol agents, but the framework and the analytical uh, method that we have in place uh, can be uh, tweaked to study different practices and different uh, technologies uh, that are, might be more appealing in different parts of the country. We will learn from it, from, from the survey. 
Gail, so what do you think the timeline is for finding some of the outcomes of this particular project? Where do you think the survey will fall, and when do you think you'll see some some follow-up information? Well, the survey will hit the ground soon, so we will distribute the survey mid-late November, early December, uh, and we intend to have a decent data set in January, February. That's our, our timeline. So we expect to have some preliminary results in June, July next year. Some of these preliminary results will be presented at Cultivate 2022. Uh, that's a, a conference organized by American Hort here in Columbus, Ohio. This will be preliminary results, uh, but more comprehensive results will probably take place only later on in 2022. I'm assuming between November, December next year. Wonderful. And so there will be one survey run. Is there a plan to do a second survey? Uh, There is no plan for a second survey as of now. Uh, For now, we want to run this survey, learn from it as much as we can, and use this as a seed project for uh, uh, something bigger and maybe in different parts of the country in in a second moment. Awesome. That's exciting. Hey, Kim. Yeah, Stacy. Do you know what? What? It's time for our Dream Big segment. Oh my gosh. This is the best part, Gil. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay. Good. Gil, if you had unlimited resources, funding, time, support, people, what big question would you like to research? Uh, I've always been intrigued about the lag between research results and adoption in, in the real world. Uh, especially in this case, when we see demand for values that products can deliver. Uh, so we see society out there demanding more environmentally friendly attributes, sustainability attributes in their products. And we, and we see companies uh, offering certain egg inputs that carry some of those characteristics. So I've, I've been intrigued why uh, we don't see much of that adoption. But to connect with that, I, before coming to Ohio State, I, I was in the private sector. Uh, I, I was sitting in the Department of Marketing for a large-scale egg input firm. Uh, and part of my role was connecting with the R&D department. Uh, and this got me thinking about R&D and how academia is set up for that matter. In academia, we are certainly well-structured and capable to do high-quality research, capital R in that matter but we are not as equipped to do development. In academia settings, sometimes we tend to dump everything else uh, in the shoulders of extension, saying that extension should do development and connect with egg producers. Uh, I tend to think slightly different than that. I think extension, extension educators, they are connected with egg producers solving uh, daily problems or helping them with daily needs. Right. From the ground up, they're, the producers are, are telling them what their problems are, right? And they're trying to fix those issues. Correct. And, and that, that, that is a playful uh, activity. Right. Uh, dumping something else on them, saying, hey, we have to develop capital D, the research that uh, researchers do in academia, is, is a whole new animal and it requires a lot of energy and time and effort. 
So coming back to your dream big question, Stacy, I would love to strengthen the capability of developing uh, research and capital D of development in, in academia. And when we come to development, we are talking about, okay, how that research will translate into a product, into a new practice, into something that is tangible and usable by the consumer. Well, in academia, we are missing that link. And I would love to have unlimited resources, people, time, and financial resources to develop that uh, D capability in the academic setting. Ooh, that's an exciting one. So then I'm going to take it an extra step and ask you, who would you want to be on your dream team to do that development work? Who would you pull together? Well, let's just connect the dots with everything we spoke here in the podcast, Kim. Uh, it needs to be a multidisciplinary team, right? So it has to include uh, technical folks. It has to include uh egg management, it has to include uh, marketing, strategic marketing folks, uh, and it has to step outside of the academia as well. It has to connect with the decision makers in the private sector, companies, growers, and then we will naturally mature, uh, and there, there are methods for it, uh, how the research will translate into products, practices, and services that are actually applicable and usable uh, at a farm level. It sounds a little like you'd be emulating uh, some of the work you were doing at the production firm or the marketing firm that you were working with previous to this, but incorporating more of the research work done at the academic level. That's a fair, that's a fair analysis, Kim, yes. Gil, I've really enjoyed talking with you about your work and really understanding what it is that is bringing people together around this biopesticide idea and why folks might not be using it as much as they would or could be using it and how you're using the survey to get at that question uh, so that we can really understand across this value chain what we may be doing better in order to have biopesticides more widely used as an agricultural input. Gil, thank you so much. I really appreciate this conversation. Thank you, Stacy. Thank you, Kim, for the opportunity. I, I, I had a blast as well. I think this conversation has uh, triggered me with uh, a few new ideas uh, for new research, new work, and uh, I'll be available. I'm around. Please reach out if you have any questions. Uh, it will be a pleasure to interact further. Wonderful. <laughs> Great. Making connections across the university and with industry partners. Right. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Gil. I, I, we look forward to seeing some results and learning more about your research when you wrap it up. And thanks for listening to K-Explore's Emerging Research. Want to explore more fresh research from the College of Food, Agricultural, and Environmental Sciences? Visit kx.osu.edu.